welcome to everyone this evening. And if you're a guest with us this evening, we are happy to have you in service with us tonight. Thank you for being here. I know we've got a number of folks out, some because of where they come from and traffic issues or whatever, and some folks already traveling. And so uh, good to have you here this, this evening. Uh, it has been two and a half, I don't know if you know this, it's been two and a half months since I have ministered on a Thursday night. Two and a half months. So I know that you are all dying to hear me minister this evening, so we are, we're jumping right in. I really care if I'm become one of those guys who I keep saying stuff like that, but I, I'm not in a hurry, but I am anxious to get to to teach a little bit here this evening, and um, I will, I don't know if I should do this or not, but I will, I'll give you a little secret for next week. Um, throughout the seminar, uh, the three congregation elders, which uh, is obviously myself, but also Brother Charles Simpson and Brother Joel Wright, throughout that seminar, they will have, we all, all three of us will have a session to kind of talk about what we do and how we do small groups and the principles behind that so um, I've been given Thursday night since that's um, kind of our normal and so hopefully it's my hope that you'll be here and that maybe some of you will get some some fresh insight and understanding uh, as to, to why we do what we do and the way we do it so I get to minister next Thursday night but it's it's a uh, predetermined what I'm ministering on so um, I'm excited about this evening, so if you'd stand for a moment, and um, I, uh, I, I've, had, I've had something that I've just, it's kind of been on my mind here and there for months, it's just kind of um, in, intrigued me a bit, and uh, I've actually had a couple of conversations with a few folks that that relates to this, maybe not exactly this topic per se, but in essence it is. And um, I, I, I want to share it. it. I think in some ways it's going to be a little bit different because here, here's what, my, here's what my, my hope and faith is tonight. That um, I, I believe there's, there's going to be some people that... Um, let me, just, let me just let me say it more boldly and confidently. I, I believe there, there's going to be some people here tonight, probably not a majority, but some people here tonight that I, it's my hope that God's going to confirm uh, your, your calling. Uh, maybe something you've been kind of feeling, but maybe we're a little uncertain of, a little unsure of. And, and to be honest, in some ways, my, I think my flesh would kind of rather do this like on a Sunday night and preach it. But the, the challenge is sometimes we respond more out of emotion in settings like that than we do out of hearing the word and just kind of unemotionally responding to the word. And so uh, I, I, my hope and prayer is that even if ultimately this doesn't confirm for you per se, that I think it'll still be beneficial to you this evening. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with some verses that I know most of you here tonight are familiar with. 
And uh, do me a favor and don't, don't jump to where you think this is going to go based on where it kind of normally goes. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and, the, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we, may, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, this has nothing to do with the focus tonight, but I think that is such a critical thing for us to get a hold of in every aspect, and that is we are supposed to speak truth in love. Whether that's things that relate to one another, but especially when we speak the truth to those that may not know what we know. It ought to be spoken in love, not in superiority, not in judgment, not in, but in love. Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself. And if you'll permit me and just stand for another moment, let me read a couple of other translations here to you. The Amplified says, And his gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave men to us, some to be apostles, special messengers, some prophets, inspired preachers and expounders, some evangelists, preachers of the gospel, traveling missionaries, some pastors, shepherds of his flock, and teachers. His intention was the perfecting of the, and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, the church. And then the Living Bible says it like this. Some of us have been given special ability as apostles. To others, he has given the gift of being able to preach well. Some have special ability in winning people to Christ, helping them to trust him as their Savior. Still others have a gift for caring for God's people as a shepherd does his sheep, leading and teaching them in the ways of God. Why is it that he gives us these special abilities to do certain things best? It is that God's people will be equipped to do better work for him, building up the church, the body of Christ, to a position of strength and maturity. Lord Jesus, we love you tonight. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be together and this holiday weekend, Lord, as some are traveling, some here tonight in the course of the next day, couple of days may be traveling. We pray for your hand of protection upon everyone. Keep us safe. Guard us. Pray your blessings, your rest upon everyone this weekend, Lord. God, I pray that as we are gathered here tonight, that we would not just be here because it's what we do and just kind of go through the motions, but I pray that your spirit would minister and speak, Lord. I I trust and believe, God, that there's somebody here tonight. I believe there's some folks here tonight that by your help and grace, you can confirm something to them, in them, for them. I pray that your spirit would minister. Let there be revelation and understanding for all of us here tonight, Lord, that 
we may grow in our knowledge and understanding of your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. There is, um, we've heard these verses ministered on. You may be seated. God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> we've heard these verses ministered on. We, we, uh, we as a church are no stranger to these verses. Um, and, and they're actually, some of you are aware of this, they're, they're actually kind of a really big topic right now, and, and particularly in the organization that we are a part of. And, and uh, I, I am, I'm a, I'm a, as I think you know, if you know me, I'm, I'm just kind of a practical approach kind of guy when it comes to the Bible. I... Um, I don't. I probably shouldn't say this. It's being recorded. It's being streamed. But I mean, masters and doctorates and all this stuff in theology. It's a. It's. I guess it's. It's. It's great. It's. It's helpful. But at the end of the day, the Word of God is supposed to be kind of speak for itself. It's that if you never had a commentary, if you never had a, if you never had a, a lecture, you you should be able to learn and understand. And so I know Paul, I mean, Paul said to Timothy, you need to study to show yourself approved. And, and, and I think we ought to do that. We ought to grow. <laughs> it's a, but but I, there's a danger when we, when we develop an intellectual approach to the Word of God. I think in some ways the Bible is one of the most intellectual books there is. But it does you no benefit to approach it intellectually. In fact, in Hebrews, it says that the word of God did not profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. So it doesn't matter how much you know. If you don't mix it with faith, you're not going to be benefited from it. So I'm not. We, we have Bible colleges and they, they do all. I'm not here tonight trying to make a statement against that. I'm just saying when it comes to my approach, not only my personal approach to, to walking with God, but, but I've said this many times, but years ago, I can't pinpoint when and where, but it, it became a very strong desire of mine. I wanted my ministry, teaching, preaching, whatever, to be, to be practical, to be relatable, to be, you know, kind of down to earth. And, and um, uh, so... That being said, you know, there, there's, the, there's discussions and debates about, you know, are these giftings or these offices, are there five of them, are there less than that, are there more than that? I, I'm not here to mess with any of that tonight. I probably shouldn't say this either, but I don't really know that I really care. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be unkind here. I'm not trying, don't misunderstand me. But, but I'm, I just, I'm trying to give you a little bit of context of where we're about to go, where I'm coming from. I'm not here for a dissertation tonight on, on, on the fivefold ministry. <laughs> I'm not here to debate. I'm not here to argue. I'm, I'm not here for any of that. There, there's something I feel very uh, I'm impressed by the Spirit of God to, to, to pull out from, from here. And so let, let's just kind of go from there. So... He said we have the we, we were given apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and 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 the you know as is sometimes the case, the King James is 
is, is, is not quite as clear as, as some other translations, and the Amplified's a little, a, a little bit more clear in that he, he gave us those things to equip the saints for the work of their ministry. I, I'm pretty sure I don't have to say this tonight, but let's just make sure we're all on the same page. If you are a born-again believer, you are called to be a minister. Maybe not in the context of called to stand in front of a congregation and pastor, but every born-again person has a ministry. You're in the body when you're born again, therefore you have a ministry. And so Paul says these things were given to the church to help equip and perfect them, which is why, and I'll say this again, that there, there's, for me, there, there's two basic reasons, for me, two basic reasons why we, we have guest preachers. And, uh, and, and the first and foremost really is, is that right there. I do not have, and I don't think any one individual has everything necessary to fully equip a group of people. Obviously, as the pastor, um, that I'm the voice you tend to hear the most on a regular basis, but I don't have everything there is. I, I don't have the ability to fully equip you. We need different people who have different giftings to help do that. And I believe that not only do we have men and women of God that come in from outside of Antioch to help fulfill this, I believe that within Antioch, and I'll just narrow it down, I believe within Antioch Central, God has blessed us with people who are, who are called and equipped to help us equip each other. Really, that's, I think, for me, I'm not, this is, again, this, I'm just telling you me, not here, what's your scriptures? I don't have any, I'm just telling you for me. And the second reason, I've said it before and I'll just say it again, if, if, if all you ever hear is me, then I become your, your only example for ministry. And we are not all called to be clones and duplicates. So the hope, my hope as your pastor is, those of you especially that feel a calling beyond uh, you know, the, just, just the normal calling that, that when different people stand in this pulpit and minister, that from time to time somebody will come along that you'll go, man, I really, wow, I can kind of, and not in an arrogant, prideful way, but you, you say, I, man, I can kind of see myself in them. I, I said this, I don't think I said it publicly, I don't think, but I, I've said it to a few people, I'm not trying to say I'm as good of a teacher, preacher, whatever as Brother Gaddy, but I think one of the things I, I've come to really enjoy about Brother Gaddy's ministry is it reminds me, uh, uh, his approach I feel like kind of reminds me of my approach, just kind of practical down to earth. I just don't think I have as good as stories as he does. <laughs> I've got an awesome, perfect story for everything. So I, I feel like you, male, female, whatever, you, you, need, you, need to, you need to see some people different than me. Hopefully some of you, you're called to be like I am. But So again, the bottom line is he gave, he gave these things to the church to help equip, but he didn't call one person to be all of those things for everybody. So I want to just uh, really briefly, and some of you probably have dug into this pretty deeply for others of you, I just I want to give you just a couple of the basic definitions of what each one of these things 
uh, mean kind of straight from the from the um, just kind of straight from the um, uh, Greek dictionaries. So the the the, the first one is. There we go. The first one, apostles. Apostle is a delegate, especially an ambassador of the gospel, officially a commissioner of Christ with miraculous powers. The root word of that means uh, set apart by implication to send out properly on a mission, literally or figuratively. So that's an, an apostle's a sent one. And there's also an implication of authority and oversight that can, can go along with apostle as well. The next one is prophet. It is an interpreter or spokesman for God, one through whom God speaks. I may have to read the screen. I got it too small on my, uh, on my uh, iPad here. Uh-oh, looks like we're stuck again. We may just have to go... Uh, um, A, a, a prophet is an interpreter or spokesperson for God, one through whom God speaks. In Greek writings, it was an interpreter of oracles or a foreteller, soothsayer, seer. In the New Testament, a prophet is one who moved by the Spirit of God and hence, and hence his organ or spokesman solemnly declares to men what he has received by interpretation. So that's an ap- uh, apostles, prophet, a pastor. I have a really cool little picture for this one. And, oh, well. <laughs> a pastor, prophet. Well, no, devil's in the Wi-Fi tonight. A pastor is a herdsman, especially a shepherd. Metaphorically, the presiding officer, manager, director of any assembly, so of Christ, the head of the church. A teacher. I cannot see this. A teacher is used of one who is fitted to teach. Or thinks himself so. That's what it says. I'm just reading. It's used of the teachers of the Jewish religion, used of those by their great power, and a few more things that have to do with, with teacher. What does what, what is, what is Ephesians 4, 11 say that God gave us? Try that again in the order. You can cheat if you need to. He gave us. Anybody recognize what I just missed in that order? Uh-huh. Evangelist. An evangelist, according to 
Thayer's Greek lexicon is a bringer of good tidings. The root word is to announce good news, evangelize, especially the gospel. So he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Four of these five things, I feel like, I'm trying to, I'm not here tonight to give you all my opinions and feelings. I'm just trying to be clear. I'm not here to whatever with some of this. (laughs) But to me, when we talk about apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers, we think of those primarily in a context of ministering to the body. Equipping the body. Training, teaching, preaching to the body. Those, those things seem to, and, and again we go back to the definition of an apostle being a sent one. There is a context in that that it's not about the church. That's, that, that's going someplace, starting something, starting a work somewhere. Uh, that is being sent. But, but I, I feel like in a lot of ways, again, when, when we talk about these, these four things, or these, these four things, we, are, we think of them in the context of what happens ministering to the body. But but sandwiched in there, in in the middle of all of that, is is evangelist. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown says this, As the apostles, prophet, and evangelists were special ministers, so pastors and teachers are the ordinary ministers of a flock including probably superintending bishops and presbyters and and deacons. Evangelists were itinerant missionary preachers, as Philip the deacon. Pastors and teachers were stationary. The evangelist founded the church. The teacher built it up in the faith, speaking sometimes in the spirit at other times from his own resources. So so you've you've got these things that that again, seem to primarily be focused on equipping the saints, developing, teaching, training, so that they can reach a place of maturity for the work of their ministry. But, but we've got inserted in there. As one of these five things stated, we, we've got evangelists. Those that are the, the bringer of good tidings. Those that announce good news. Barnes Note says this about evangelists. The word does not elsewhere occur in the New Testament. What was the precise office of the evangelist in the primitive church? It is now impossible to determine. The evangelist may have been one whose main business was preaching and who was not particularly engaged in the government of the church. The word probably means a messenger of good tidings, and Robinson lexicon supposes that it denotes a minister of the gospel who was not located in any place, but who traveled as a missionary to preach the gospel and to found churches. The word is so used now by many Christians, but it cannot be proved that it is so used in the New Testament. An explanation of the words which here occur may be found in Neander on the primitive church in the biblical repository. The office was distinct. 
from that of the pastor, the teacher, the prophet, and was manifestly an office in which preaching was the main thing. I, I, I think we hear a good bit about apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers. It's kind of changed for the better, I think, in a lot of ways now, but we kind of, we, we had a season here, and some of you weren't around then. Some of you were in the middle of all of it. We had a season where, where it seemed to me like the, the epitome of success, especially as a, as a man, the epitome of success in ministry at Antioch was for you to become a daughter work leader. There, there, was, there was a bit of a, I, I personally feel like there was a bit of a subconscious mentality, again, especially as a man, that if you were anything less than a daughter work elder or above, you, you really weren't all that much. The problem with that is not everybody's called to that role. Not everybody's called to the same ministry or the same type of ministry. And I, I pray that, and as I said, one of my messages Sunday, I forget one, which one. If it, Maybe it ends up there's one single person tonight that this is all, this ends up being primarily for. That, that's fine. You, you, you realize you, you were uniquely made. Your, your personality was intentionally determined by God. And I believe God, in looking at what His purpose and plan for your life was going to be, created you to be the kind of person. I, I, I'm not saying this never happens. But if it does, I believe it is the exception that God changes your personality. And if you prayed for him to change yours and he changed it, please do not tell me. I have enough things God and I are still trying to work out between us. Because I prayed a long time ago, for years I prayed. I think I would be, I could be a better pastor if I was an extrovert. I feel like I would be more capable of pastoring and that's the problem I would be more capable of pastoring so I finally made peace a long time ago with the fact that God not that obviously there are pastors who are extroverts but with regards to this one God decided that's not what I needed to be and there are things that I do <laughs> as a as a part of ministry that they're not my personality but when I get out of that setting I feel like if, if you if, if the only time you ever are around me is in a church service 
or a meeting in my office and then people say I'm quiet, you'd be like, what? Him? Quiet? Because those are two places that I talk a whole lot. And a lot of times those are the only two places I talk. God made you. God, and so the, the success for you is not trying to become who or what somebody else is. The only way for you to be successful in all of this is for you to become who God created you to be. For you to be what God created you to be. What does Paul say if... If, if everybody was, the, if everybody was, was uh, I'm, I'll probably get the ones he uses wrong, but if everybody was the eyes, who, where's the hearing? We need different members of the body to make up the body so the body can properly function. So, and everybody's, essentially everybody, I'll be an apostle, ooh, an apostle. I'll be a prophet. And by the way, I've said this several times before. I'm going to say it again. If you're sitting around trying to figure out what fivefold gifting or whatever office you're called to, just stop. What difference does it make? Paul said he was a servant. I'm called to be an apostle, but if you want to know who I am, who I am is a servant. There you go. You don't need to figure out apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. You are a servant. If God chooses for you to be used in one of those roles, wonderful. But at the end of the day, you need to remember you're a servant. That's why nowadays you come across... Apostles, supposed apostles, that have a whole entourage traveling with them, carrying their Bible, carrying their stuff, doing everything for them. They, they... Setting up their requirements for what, how much they're going to preach for, how much, where they stay, etc., etc. What would... What would, where would we have been if Paul would have set up those parameters? I'm only going to travel if I can do it in first class. Of course, I don't know what first class was then. I will only stay in a very, com- I mean, if Paul was only willing to minister in comfortable, relaxing circumstances, we would not have epistles. I've heard of people, and no, it's fine. I have no problems with this. And now, and it, it, that's a, please, it's, this is not a criticism. But I, I've heard of authors that you know they're going to write a book, and so they go away to some relaxing, awesome, wonderful resort for you know a week to write their book. Paul was in jail. Thankfully, he wasn't sitting in jail, trying to twist God's arm to just get him out of jail. You, 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 you can't, it's hard, if you identify as an apostle or a prophet or one of those other offices, it's very hard to say, I've learned whatever state I'm in to be content. The reason Paul could be a, 
content and abounding or being abased is because he was a servant. He said, I've learned how to suffer need. I've also learned how to live with everything I need. How do you do that? Because you don't look at yourself as an apostle or a prophet or one of those other things. You look at yourself as a servant. We, 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 got, we do really great with those, those four. But what about that? What about that middle one here? It, it is it, 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 a, a, an evangelist is primarily, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going where you probably, some of you think I'm going. Hopefully this next point is going to help broaden your mind a little bit. Because <laughs> it, 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 it is a, an evangelist is, is main thing is preaching. Oh, okay, well, I guess that means, that means I'm up there behind the pulpit preaching. Let's see, what, let's see what Paul says in Romans. In Romans 10, verse number 14, he says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a... How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now, I know some of you are going you're gonna to get all ahead of me and all mature and spiritual on me right now. So you just be quiet. The rest of you that will be honest and real with me. When you hear the word preach, the word preacher, what is the first thing you think of? Some form or fashion of saying the same, the, the pulpit, somebody in a pulpit, a church service. Listen to what the word preach means in the Greek. It's to be a herald. It is to officiate as herald. It is to proclaim after the manner of a herald. It is universally, it is to publish, to proclaim openly something which has been done, specifically used of the public proclamation of the gospel and matters pertaining to it. A public proclamation. So, I think the essence of what Paul is talking about, how shall they hear without a preacher, how beautiful are them, how beautiful are the feet of them that, that preach the gospel, how, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel, and 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 bring, I thought that was in there, there it is, and, and do what? And bring, and bring glad tidings. Gospel, at its basic definition, is good news. Go read the sale paper for this weekend, that's gospel. Somebody's got a sale. It's good news. The bottom line is when we talk about the gospel from a scriptural context, what's the good news? That's not a broad answer. That shouldn't be a broad answer. If you got the Holy Ghost and you don't know the first answer to that, you need to that's your homework for the weekend. 1 Corinthians 15. 
Paul declares the gospel. The gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. Why is that the good news? Because that's what gives us hope. That's what tells us we can be saved, we can be delivered, we can be forgiven of our sins, we can be born again. That's not supposed to be limited to a pulpit. Somebody needs to bring. Now, 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 now hang on for a second, hang on for a second, because Paul says to Timothy in, in Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4 and 5, he says, Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of of thy ministry. Now I've I've kind of the way I've always heard and and I guess therefore interpreted this verse was was basically this that Paul was not an evangelist. And so and so when it says that when Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist he was saying that even though that may not be your gifting you need to do that. And, and so, if you, if, you, if you use it in that application, then take somebody like me, who I believe my primary calling and gifting is a pastor. That, that's, that's my nature. That's my makeup. So, what Paul was saying was, you, you may be this, but you still need to do that. Y'all with me? And, and I'm not saying that is or isn't the primary thing that, that Paul was saying. I will tell you, digging into it a little deeper today, I, I'm not prepared to stand here before you and say that's what Paul was saying. Because I think the other thing Paul could have been saying was, it doesn't really, at the end of the day, there is a responsibility that even if you are an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, or a teacher that doesn't excuse you from evangelism. And if you're sitting there going, oh, I knew that's where this was going. Nope, not there yet. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. For what? To be a witness. We all should be a witness. But would you agree with me that when Paul says in Ephesians 4 and 11, he's listing these things. We don't, does anybody believe that everybody is an apostle in the context of what he was saying? Everybody is a teacher in the context of what he was saying there? No. So then therefore, how could you pick out evangelists and say, well, that's just what everybody is. He's obviously referencing something here in the context of these other things. like some of you are looking at me going, Pastor, you just said you're all about being practical and, and, and whatever, and I don't, so hang, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Every one of us has a responsibility to be a witness. Every one of us. But, I, but in the context of what Paul seems to be saying in Ephesians 4 and 11, that there are some that have a calling... A gifting, 
that is beyond the, the responsibility that everyone has. I mean, I, let, me, let, me, let me say it this way. I think this, was, this would be an okay example. Every one of us in this room ought to have a level of confidence that if there's somebody that needs the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we know how to pray with them and try to help them get the Holy Ghost. Every single one of us should have a level of confidence in that. But we know we've had some people, and uh, not had, there are. I say had, I was thinking of Brother Whaley, so we don't have him anymore. There are some people that are a part of us that if somebody's trying to receive the Holy Ghost in a church service and they're not getting it, you start looking around. Mike McGurk's one of them. Somebody go get Brother McGurk. Put him on the spot. Make him pray him through. Why? Because God is, I believe, giving him a gifting in that. We all should have a level of confidence to do it. So again, I, I, I'm trying to hammer this point home for a minute because I don't want, I'm, I don't want to go on and then everybody go, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm free. No, if I am born again, I've been given power to be a witness. But I'm going to tell you, there's some people I've seen, some of them I've heard their stories, some of them I've been around. They've got something I don't have. I've done door knocking. We haven't done door knocking in years. I've done door knocking. I, I just about throw up every door I go to knock. You know what? I, 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 think, I think the bottom line is, I'll just say it this way, every well-known, successful person in some kind of field Naturally speaking, I believe is a person who was called by God but didn't apply their gifting and calling to ministry and so they've become, I think a lot of coaches are probably guys that were ultimately supposed to be pastors. But for whatever reason, they didn't get, give their life to God. And, and I, think, I, think, I think the best salesmen out there were probably called to be evangelists. We got there's some of you here tonight. You you are salespeople. You can what is what do they say? They could sell an Eskimo ice. It's like one of them things Brother Shelton would say. I'm, I'm not here saying we're salesmen selling Jesus, but we are here heralds of the good news, proclaiming the good news. Let me let me let me let me move on here. A publisher of glad tidings. I want to. I, I want to. I've got. I've got several. I'll tell you right now. I, I got several things in here that I put them in here simply for any of you that may want to do a little more digging and studying, reading this. I'm not going to read it all tonight, but some really good stuff. If if there's something here tonight that strikes a chord with you, so a, a publisher of glad tidings. And in, in the New Testament, the evangelists appear on the one hand after the apostles and prophets, on the other hand before pastors and teachers. They probably stood between the two 
Acts 21 and 8, Ephesians 4 and 11. The work of the evangelist is the proclamation of the glad tidings to those who have not known them, rather than the instruction and pastoral care of those who have believed and been baptized. I thought that was what I was about to read, was finishing up on the other point of we all have a responsibility to be a witness, be a light. The job, school, neighborhood, etc., etc. There, I, I, I strongly believe we have yet to tap in. We got people not here tonight that are faithful members, faithfully a part of us as a congregation for whatever reason. So, not just talking about those in this room. I believe we have not yet fully tapped into the evangelists. Because notice what I just read, and I'll go back to this as my next point. The work of the evangelist is the proclamation of the glad tidings to those who have not known them, rather than the instruction and pastoral care of those who have believed and been baptized. I, I believe, and I'm, I'm going to say what I feel, and I truthfully don't have a name in mind with this. I'm just telling you what I feel in my spirit. I believe we've got some frustrated evangelists because you have been pressured, no, intentionally or unintentionally, into feeling like you've got to do more than just proclaim glad tidings that you've got to care for those who have believed and been baptized. There was an individual at one season in the 50-something years of this church that went through a period of time where for, I think, months, it was not uncommon for them at random times throughout the day or week. Sister Diane, you may figure out who I'm talking about because I think you had some connection and involvement. I, if I call the name, tons of you would know the name. But This person, in a matter of several months, Lord only knows how many people they were responsible for seeing get baptized and get the Holy Ghost. But the problem was, that's what they did. Got people to the water, got them baptized, and they got the Holy Ghost. And guess what? They were off to the next person. I know natural is a parallel to spiritual, and I realize, naturally speaking, a mama doesn't birth a baby and then just turn it over to somebody else. I, I get that. But don't forget, in the context of the mother, we, we represent. And for a period of time, it was an amazing thing to watch that person. A bunch of them came from their job. Boy, you know, behind, whispers behind the back. Boy, so-and-so does great at getting them to the water. But, well, what if there's some pastors and teachers 
or let's say it this way in this context for right now. What is there are those with a pastoral gifting? Maybe you're not called the pastor. Who can partner with the evangelist? So the evangelist can be who they are. I think he'll be all right with this, but if he's not, I know he loves me enough, he'll have to work through it anyway. I, I, I believe this guy right here has an evangelistic gifting. I've, I've heard tons of his stories, and he wasn't telling me to brag or boast. He was just testifying about the good. He talks to people at gas stations. He talks to people. at. I mean, he's always talking to somebody. But you know what? He's, this is not a criticism. This is what I believe is his pastor and fully support. He doesn't have the pastoral or teaching. What's up, man? How are you? Good. I like your shoes. Yeah. He is a proclaimer of good news. Anytime, anywhere. Again, well, pastor should, yeah, 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 we should. But, but again, bear with me to where I feel like I'm trying to get to. Apostles and prophets, that there, there's a role there. Pastors and all that's needed for the, the equipping, the perfecting, the governing of the church, the body and all that. But, but what about those that have a gifting to proclaim good news? Again, more stuff there, but let me pick out this one part. Ephesians 4.11 teaches that one particular order of the ministry distinguished from every other is singled out by the head of the church for this work in a distinctive sense. All, and this is what I thought I was about to read, all may possess the gift of an evangelist in a measure and be obligated to its exercise and to be obligated to exercise its privilege and duty, but some are specially endued with it. He gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. All may possess the gift of evangelists in a measure and be obligated to exercise its privilege and duty, but some are especially endued with it. Not only do they have, I use this very non-biblical word, but not only do they have a knack for it, it's what, it's what excites them. It's what gets them going. It's, it's what, what gets their blood heart pumping. Man, who, who's the, who, where's the next person? Where's the next person I can give some good tidings to? Who, who's the next person that I come across that's, that has no hope that I can tell some hope to? Who, who's the next person that I come across who's broken and life is a mess that I can give some good news about the one who came to bind up the brokenhearted and set the captive free? And, and, and who's the next one? And, and, and here's, the, here's the challenge, but here's also what I pray that some of you would get a revelation of and become okay with. Your job... If if you're called to be an evangelist, your, God, your job is to spread the news. That's it. 
I know, I know the problem, the problem with that. Where does that fit in being a soul winner? Oh, hallelujah. I can't, I get, I, two and a half months since I get to teach, and I, I, I teach this with all these. I, 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 this is not what I was expecting. <laughs> that, that's the problem. If, if I just go around telling the good news and then go on and tell the good news to the next one, then, 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 then I, I can't be putting notches on my gun. In essence, if you're an evangelist, what, what, is, what is one of the biblical uh, pictures the Lord gives of, of what that is? Sow and seed. And, and as being an evangelist, sow the seed and keep sowing. It's, it's the... It's the other gifting's responsibility to help water and nurture and, and weed and care for. But if you've been called to sow, sow. Some sow, some water. wonder if you could put it in the context of, 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 of Ephesians 4.11, what, what Paul says, some sow, some water, God gives the increase... Evangelists sow. Pastors and teachers water. Again, I'm going to probably repeat this more than one more time. We all have a responsibility to be involved with being a witness. Not here tonight excusing any one of us. Well, I don't have to be a... No. You got the Holy Ghost and you got power to be a witness. But I, I just, I it for several months, and it hasn't quite come to this point where I am tonight until the last couple of days. But I just truly believe we've, we've got some evangelists in this congregation that the goal is not for you to go get your ministerial license so you can start traveling around and preaching in churches all the time, week after week. After. That's what normally when we talk about in the United Pentecostal Church, when we say somebody is an evangelist, what they mean, and we kind of read it already here, that means that's somebody that doesn't pastor, they don't have their own church, they just travel around all the time. And there's a place for that. We need that. That's, what, that's not what I'm talking about tonight. I'm not talking about people that will get your AML or your UPCI license so you can start preaching all over the country in pulpits. I'm talking about people that will be evangelists all over this county and surrounding counties, that you will be a, a spreader of the good news. And I, I, I know I, I, if you're thinking, you know, every preacher would say they're not a mind reader, but how many times do we say what you're thinking? Isn't that kind of... So I mean, if you're thinking, well, well I'm, I'm confused, Pastor. You're saying we all have this responsibility. Then, then you're making something. Then, then still, just give me a few more moments. <laughs> oh, again, more stuff for, for later. Apostles, prophets, evangelists. All doing the work. Why? So the church can do what? Can grow. Talked about the body growing, but that's the church. So the church can grow. 
I believe every church needs to be growing to some degree or other in two ways. Two ways. Quantitatively and qualitatively. And I would venture to say in the reverse order of what I just said them. That first and foremost, we ought to be growing qualitatively. Our knowledge, our understanding of the Word of God, our personal relationship. Because the bottom line is, new people are going to duplicate what they see. So if you and I are not growing and maturing, then new people see no reason to grow and mature. So we should be growing qualitatively, and eventually that should lead to growing quantitatively, numbers-wise. So, so watch this, watch this. Listen, look at Acts. This is, this, is, this is the next little while here. The rest of this is going to be, to me, what is an amazing example. And I think probably the best example from a biblical standpoint of what I'm talking to you about this evening. Let's start it toward the end of the book of Acts. Acts 21 and verse number 8 says this, Then went, to, then went on to Caesarea and stayed at the home of Philip. Speaking, speaking of Paul here. He went on to Caesarea and stayed at the home of Philip. Watch this. Of Philip what? This is, this is in the living, or, yeah, this is in the living Bible. The King James says the same thing in this part. Paul went and, and was, was welcomed to stay in the home of Philip, the evangelist. Now watch this next part. One of the first seven deacons. So here's, here's what you have to get. There was a Philip who was one of the twelve disciples. This Philip is not that Philip. Be careful when you're reading your Bible, there's, there's different people with the same name. Not every single person, but there are a number of times where there's, there's more than one person. So again, you read in the Gospels and Philip was one of the, the, one of the apostles. But this here is not referencing the apostle Philip. This is Philip the evangelist who was different than Philip the apostle. And it tells us where this Philip started. So these next verses are some verses that are a fundamental part of, of, of foundation of, of why we believe we need to have small groups, why we have oikos. In Acts chapter 6, beginning with verse number 1, And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a, murmur, a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, what, so, so what, what the, the, the apostles are saying is, our, our responsibility is, is the word of God and prayer. We, it's our job to help, be gov, to help govern and lead this. They, they, it's not that they were saying we are too good to serve tables. That's not at all what they were saying. But, but what you know that you, you get taught as a part of leadership and, and, and depending what your role is, you, you shouldn't be doing what somebody else can do. You need to be doing what only you can do. 
There's a lot of things that I know how to do as a part of ministry and leadership and what goes on at Antioch Central. I know how to do them, and believe me, I'm willing to do them. But I've got some responsibilities that nobody else can fulfill. Not because I'm better than anybody else. I'm just the one at this point God has put in that role. So the apostles weren't saying we're too good to do that. They were just saying we know what our job is. And so we need to get some people that can do these things that need to be done. But what's really interesting to me is it says here, it says serving tables. But, but, but watch this. You can tell by... The, the, uh, the, what do you call, what qualifications, isn't there another word if you're trying to get a job? What's the, a resume is what you tell about yourself, but qualifications. You can tell by the qualifications here, he's not just looking for waiters and waitresses. We don't use that word anymore, I'm sorry, but. Because if all you're looking for somebody to serve some tables, you can kind of get just about anybody to do that. But look at what he says. These are the people that are going to serve tables. Brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and women and women and wisdom. We got to mess something up here tonight. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Again, if all you're doing is serving tables, you don't need to be full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Why did they need to be full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom? Because the role of ministry that they were helping to carry. We need deacons. We use that term to describe our small group leaders because I think biblically that's what a deacon is. That's the biblical term. We need deacons who are full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom because you're not just waiting tables. You're caring for, you're ministering, you're discipling, you're nurturing. And we will gladly, but we will give ourselves continually, sorry, continually, not glad. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. They anointed them again. If all they're doing is just being servers at a table, like a restaurant, why do you need full of the Holy Ghost, honest report, and get anointed for that job? All of those things were requirements and they were anointed because of the importance of what it was they were doing. And watch what happens. When that happened, the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests were, were obedient to the faith. They, they were having revival and harvest. When they got people properly positioned to do the work of their ministry. So watch this, back to the, 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 the primary point here. In that group of people, first one is mentioned, we know him fairly well, Stephen, the one who was, became a martyr, and Paul, at the time, Saul is holding coats, and here's what Stephen says and, and the impact it has on him. And, 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 but then Philip is the second one mentioned. 
So Philip the evangelist, that Paul was welcomed to his, in his home in Acts 21, was it? Wasn't, Philip wasn't Brother Greg Godwin. Or, not anymore because he now pastors, but Victor Jackson. Or go on down the list of men who were or still do that role and come here from time to time. Philip, the evangelist, that's not who he was. He started off as a deacon. But apparently had a gifting for something. Beyond just the witness that everybody was because he eventually becomes recognized as Philip. The evangelist. No longer Philip the deacon. (laughs) Philip the evangelist. So so watch this. Watch some of the the, the primary uh, stuff that we know about Philip the evangelist as an evangelist is found in Acts chapter number 8. And I'm going to read most of this chapter. I'll try to do it fairly quickly, but there's a couple of things I want you to to see here, I want you to get. Verse number 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. The the, the context of that is he's he's been being a deacon, serving tables, doing what he was supposed to be doing, but now he, gets, he goes down to Samaria and preaches, proclaims Christ unto them, brings the good news. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Why? Because a deacon by the name of Philip was called to be an evangelist and stepped into that role. And now this guy who was once serving tables and helping to care for those within the body is now being a herald of the good news. And there was great joy in Samaria. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was was some great giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them all, he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching, The things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs and wonders which were done. So Philip goes to Samaria. There's this guy there named Simon that everybody else has respect and reverence and honor for. This guy, he's the man. 
until Philip shows up and just starts preaching the kingdom. No, just no pressure. Not twisting anybody's arm. He's just proclaiming the good news. And all of those people who had who, who thought this man had great power, all of those people believe on the name of Jesus Christ and are baptized both men and women. And then, and then this guy, who was the one they were all trusting, that, that in essence you would view as Philip's opposition, now he says, hey, I, I, I see the miracles and signs you're doing, I want it too. Your job is to be the proclaimer of good news, not the spiritual assassin. Well, they don't, they don't believe in the oneness of God. They don't believe in baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And, and, and they don't believe in holiness as a part of a lifestyle. If I, if I, I don't know. Zach, you uh, all the media people. Uh, maybe you can. If I if I turn this off and say something, that that means it's not. They can't hear me online. It's not being recorded, right? Okay. We'll be right back. Which camera's on? We'll be back with y'all in just a moment.
So, but but watch this now, though. This is this is interesting. Back to this apostle. I I got a few more minutes to go. It's not nine o'clock yet. I promise I won't make up two and a half months of no Thursdays tonight. So just bear with me. But but watch this. So we, we read all that. Philip the evangelist. Philip the evangelist is just going around throughout Samaria at this point and just heralding, proclaiming the good news. And as a result of that, devils are getting cast out, miracles are happening, not because the apostle was there, but the evangelist. Not in a healing crusade. Not in a coliseum with somebody's name on the banner. Just a guy who was comfortable to go around and proclaim the good news. So Simon himself believed and was baptized. He continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. That's all well and good, but it doesn't stop there. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know what's really amazing? (laughs) There is this mindset in the church that when it's time to pray people through, who do you bring in? Some of y'all don't know some of this stuff and you don't know how blessed you are. If you're sitting there going, I've never heard that, you, you just need to thank Jesus. There's some things, the less you know, the better off you are. We bring in the evangelist. Check this out. Am, am I not reading this correctly? After Philip the evangelist had sowed the seed, they brought in the apostles. We bring in the evangelists to do the reaping. They heard what was happening and sent the apostles. <laughs> oh, man. Be- why? Because they hadn't gotten the whole... Whoa, I guess, if, man, if Philip was not a fully equipped evangelist. Because he was proclaiming the gospel, the good news, but nobody was getting the Holy Ghost yet. No. They heard what was going on in Samaria. Man, they're hearing the word of God. Let's get Peter and John. I mean, I got a, I got a question. If you got a bunch of people that are hearing about the Holy Ghost, who else would you rather have than the guy that preached the first time 3,000 people got it? I mean, really. <laughs> For as yet was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name. So they've been baptized, but they didn't get the Holy Ghost yet. And so here comes Peter and John, and they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. The evangelist prepared the way for the... Now, now, but now watch this part as well. Back to, back to Brother Simon. 
And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Wait a minute, you just, you just got, got this a few verses before. Now he's trying to buy some stuff from him, saying, Give me also this power that on whomever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Because if you'll give me that power, I can go and get some banners printed up with my name on them, and I can start having some crusades, and I can start gathering a following, and my social media account can skyrocket. But Peter said unto him, Your money perish with you, because you have thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of of thine heart may be forgiven thee, for I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Now, now let's go back a couple of verses. Verse 13, Simon himself believed also and got baptized. I would suspect, just suspect, I'm not saying, I would suspect Peter laid down that night, excuse me, Philip laid down that night and had trouble going to sleep because he was thinking, man, I baptized. I can't, of all the people I baptized today, I baptized Simon. Out of all the ones that got baptized, Simon, the guy that was standing against me, I bet, boy, this is awesome. Until apostles, prophets, the rest of that shows up. And they recognize, now, nah, yeah, yeah, you got baptized, that's well and good, but there's still something. Whether or not Philip recognized it, he didn't deal with it. Y'all all right? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I, guess I just need to be bishop. The quieter you are, the better. I, I, that's, my name is David, not Chester. I don't, I don't do this. Philip is not the one that dealt with Simon. Peter and John dealt with Simon. I, I, again, I'm, I'm, hopefully it's the, 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 the curtain is raising, not closing, raising. <laughs> Some of you feel pressure. You, 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 you're good at the good news part. You're good at proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. But, oh, man, I got to. Ooh, I got to check out their spirit. Mm, I, that's not what Philip did. Philip sowed the seed. Things happen. But here comes some of the other in the fivefold ministry. No, this ain't right here. And then yeah, they rebuke him, and now watch what happens. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken come upon me. So at this point, he actually really got converted. Not saying that what he did a few verses before wasn't real or genuine, but it was he, he hadn't made the full trip yet. There was more than one office gifting, however you want to say it, needed to help get Simon fully equipped. But all Philip needed to do was Philip's job. 
Verse 25, And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And anybody here, this is not a trick question, because I'm about to confirm that I feel the same way, so this is not a trick question. Anybody here never seen an angel and think it would be cool to see an angel? I, I do. I think it'd be brother brother uh, brother Sam Emery last week at the men's conference. He was talking about his angel. He's seen his angel. He's seen his wife's angel. He said my wife's angel walked in. He's about nine feet tall, ducked under the door, walked in, and I looked at him. He looked at me, and he said, "Do you see me?" And brother Emery said, "Yeah." And he said, "What I said that he poof he left." I, I don't know. I don't think that's all. I think I don't. I think that's real. I think that. I mean, I'm really jealous, but I think it's all real. I I believe I learned long time ago. I know how to recognize the presence of angels. I've never seen one. So anybody, anybody want to? Again, I'm not setting you up. No trick questions here. Anybody want to see an angel? I do. I know Jesus is the folk. Come on, y'all, y'all get so spiritual at the wrong times. I don't want to see no demons. I'm not interested in that. Y'all can have the demons. I'm good. I know they're there. I don't need to see them. Although the bottom line is I don't think they're what we think they are. Unless they're masquerading as something they're not. Anyway, I say all that to say Philip doesn't just see an angel. He's got an conversation with an angel the angel comes and says uh philip you need to get up and uh head from jerusalem to gaza which is desert maybe the way to see an angel is be engaged in the father's business not just because i i mean i'll be honest maybe you're different but i i mean the real true reason i'd love to see an angel is because it'd be neat whose whose purpose does that serve Probably why I haven't seen one and may never see one. (laughs) Philip wasn't sitting around with, whoa, I'd love to see an angel. He wasn't sitting there going, you know, man, I remember that. I I, I know that, you know, I I know the angels have delivered and done this and that. Well, I'd love. No, he was was just being an evangelist. And in the process of being an evangelist, an angel shows up and says, hey, you need to go down to Gaza. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem to, for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, and, he, and read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither. Might have to do a little exercise if we're going to be evangelists. And heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understand thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a, as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shears so open he not his mouth and his humiliation his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of 
of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, let's back up for just a moment. It would have done Philip no good to get sent to where the eunuch was if he didn't know how to explain the scriptures. Again, If you want to get a master's or a doctorate degree in theology, have fun. I don't think it's a prerequisite for being used of God. And if it's a prerequisite for being a pastor, I need to turn in my resignation. But Paul said, study. Because there's there's another place in which... I can't think of the exact way it is offhand, so you're welcome to help me out. But there's another place in which it says we need to be ready to give an account, to give an account, give an answer of the hope that lies within. So he had to be ready and able to explain. But God didn't send an apostle. He didn't send a prophet. He didn't send a pastor. He didn't send a teacher. He sent an evangelist. And the evangelist proclaims the good news, and the eunuch says, hey, here's water. And Philip responded and said, you know what, I'm really sorry, but we have a baptism Sunday coming up in a couple of weeks where everybody wears a T-shirt because we're making a public profession of our faith. Got it. He said, there's water. I don't know. Would you disagree? The implication is this is just Philip and the eunuch. There's no crowd to see his public. That's why if you get baptized after a Sunday morning service and there's 20 people watching you, fantastic. But if you come up in the middle of the week and nobody else is around, it's just as much a legit baptism in that moment as it is if you're in a big swimming pool and you got a T-shirt that says, I got baptized. Here's water. What the, watch this. When they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. I mean, he's already in the middle of a red-hot revival, and the Lord says, okay, I appreciate what you're doing here, but I need you to go here. I know you're proclaiming and a whole city is glad, but I got one I need you to go to. See, the evangelist doesn't have to have a pulpit with a crowd. The evangelist is willing, if it's just one person in the middle of nowhere, to... And he's willing to move on and not have to sit around so he can take credit. Boy, check out this dude. I discipled him. I was his teacher. Some sow, some water. God gives the increase. Philip, the evangelist. I'm, 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 I'm wrapping up, and again, there's a bunch of stuff in here. 
that, that's, I've just got in case something is striking a chord. I, I want to read this part. Philip had, had, you know, going back to seeing an angel, which, I mean, how cool would it be to get transported from one spot to the next? You're here. Now, boom, you're back to this other place. I mean, Jesus ascended. Elijah was caught up in a chariot. Enoch walked with God, and he was not because God took him. They didn't know where he ended up, but all of a sudden, Philip was not. Not, Again, not the apostle, not the prophet, not the pastor, not the teacher. Forgive me for saying it this way. I I don't feel this way, but this is kind of the way I think we have a tendency to feel. Just the evangelist. Just the evangelist was transported. Just the proclaimer. Philip had no special divine command either to flee to or to preach in Samaria, but an angel of the Lord and afterwards the Spirit directed him to the Ethiopian statesman. Watch this, this next statement. I just want to pick this one part out of here. God rewards faithful work with more work. God doesn't reward faithful work. God doesn't punish faithful work with me. He rewards. If I can tell you to go here and you'll go there, then I, I know I can now tell you to go here and you'll go there. And, and if I can trust you to follow me with that, then I can trust you to follow me with this. This is... Uh, Fawcett's Bible Dictionary says this. Here, Paul, speaking of the verses we started with with regards to Philip at Caesarea, Philip's house. Here, Paul was entertained by him 19 years subsequently. His title now was evangelist, besides being of the seven. His four daughters had the gift of prophecy or inspired teaching. Here, Philip, who had preached to the schismatic Samaritans, the dark African and the hostile Philistine would hail the apostle of the Gentiles who was carrying out to its worldwide consequences the work initiated by the evangelist deacon. (laughs) Here too, Luke, during his residence, would hear from his own lips the details which he records concerning Philip. Paul is helping to reinforce the work of the evangelist. I wonder how many of us have hoped and dreamed that our five-fold gifting is an apostle, or I want to be a prophet. I want to be a pastor. I want to be a teacher. Obviously, all those things are important. I'm not discounting the importance of those things. But inserted in the middle of those four things, an evangelist. So let me try to wrap all this up by this. You know, how many of you when God was directing you to do something, ministry, calling, whatever, He sat down and gave you all of the steps and the direction 
all of it in advance. What'd you say, Brother Philippe? Never happens. Never happens. Never happens. There's a principle, you can see it in different plays, different places in different ways throughout the scripture. And, and in fact, I'll just use this verse. You fill in the blank. The blank of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The most of us are like, okay, God, uh, you know, if you can kind of show me how we're getting to the back of the building, I'd appreciate that. And once you show me that path, I'm no the, the steps. And as you take a step, then then in the right time, God gives you the next step, and then and 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 gives you the next step, and and never happens. <laughs> I can pretty much guarantee you, if you think he's giving you all the direction in advance, you, you need to double check the source. Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of me. Well, God, how are you going to do that? Just, I just need you to leave. <laughs> I need you to leave your land. I need you to leave your family and go. Where are we going? Go. What, what, what's going to go? Okay. And so, they're, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm praying, I'm trusting. There, there's been something I've been wrestling with for a while, and it's what I was referencing at the beginning, that I've, I've, I've kind of bounced off a few people here. And I'm hoping that maybe God will use this tonight to help with that next step. I, I believe, and again, I'm not talking about only those in this room tonight. I, I believe there are some... There are some evangelists, a part of this congregation, that need to be released to be evangelists. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Good question. Part of what I mean by that is the limits are off. What do you mean by that? I don't know. Jesus has got to help you and me figure that out. Number one, that again, we need, we need, we need right now. I realize some of you participate with Deal or other other ministries, whatever. But we are still one congregation, Antioch Central. Right now, right now. Right now, we need more deacons right now. We've got several groups that are, they, they're, they're at the max. They, they, and the problem is they're, they're great groups, and by default it makes it easy to add people to those groups because the deacons are doing a great job. But you keep doing that, and then you start undermining some of the principles of what's going on. Right, so right now. We, we could use we could easily use three to five more oikos right now oikois right now so part of what I mean by that is well you know uh, brother so and so what's he doing well I, I don't know he's I mean he's he's faithful he's growing he, okay well let's make him a deacon which is primarily kind of in the role of what Pastor and teacher? Yeah. So what happens? You get frustrated. 
Again, I think maybe part of what Paul was saying to Timothy, do the work of, that means sometimes when there's nobody else to do it, there's some things you got to do. I've heard my parents talk about things they did in the beginning stages of this church. Wasn't nobody, they, they had to do everything. But I believe the ultimate plan and purpose of God is not for one person to do everything, but for each person to find their gifting and operate in that gifting. Hi. Oh, boy. I'll tell you what I'm playing around with. and First of all, hopefully... I mean, if you come and just because you think this sounds appealing and cool, we'll find out if you're really gifted or not. But I think one thing that may look like, again, all of us are called. All of us have a responsibility to be witnesses. But I think that means some people that are genuinely called as an evangelist. That means you don't necessarily keep the same schedule the rest of the church keeps every week. Not so you're just staying home relaxing and getting extra sleep. I don't mean that. Philip, the deacon, became Philip, the evangelist. I would venture to say, I can't, I don't know that there's enough in the scripture for me to say this conclusively, but I would venture to say the more that Philip moved into the role of an evangelist, the less tables he was waiting on. Am I making any sense? Am I, I'm not trying to be vague. I'm not trying to play games with you. I'm, I'm being upfront with you. There's some things I'm trying to get a grasp on as the pastor of this congregation that are just churning. And, and, and I think part of where I've come to of what I'm trying to say, I think that maybe some of that direction is not what is not going to come from God telling me. It's going to come from some of you coming and saying, Pastor, you know what? I believe I'm called to be an evangelist. And, and here's what God Here's the direction I feel like God is, is giving me, at least at this point, for I, I need to go to Samaria for a little while. I, I, I'm, I'm being sent here. I feel the need to go proclaim the good news there. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. Not only were they doing the work of the ministry to edify the body, but they were doing the work of their ministry to fulfill their place in the body. I mean, really another side of the coin of all of this, some of you are amazing Bible study teachers. You know the Word of God and you know it, it's not that you just know it, you know how to communicate it in an understandable way.
So just as much as the evangelist needs to be the evangelist, you know how to take somebody that the evangelist proclaimed the good news to and help them learn the way of the Lord more perfectly. I don't know what it looks like. I'm just being honest, and I know I'm the pastor, and I'm supposed to have all the answers, but I know that I don't. I, I have this, if I was going to list the top five things that are in my mind and my spirit over the last several months, this would be somewhere on that list. This churning desire to figure out how at Antioch Central we can identify and release the evangelists. How do we do that? How can we do that? How can that happen? How can Philip be free to go to Samaria? Go to the eunuch and go here and go there. And you know what? He had to, he, he had to apparently be willing with sometimes just kind of spreading that news and going on, not even knowing the full impact of what he had done, but accepting who he was, accepting what he was called to do. Father, I, I don't know how well this has come across. I don't know well how well I've communicated what it is. I feel in my spirit the, the, the burden, and I don't mean burden in any kind of a negative context, Lord, but the burden of this. I, I don't know how clearly, but I pray that somehow with somebody here tonight or maybe somebody who's a part of us that wasn't able to be here tonight that in the next couple of days or weeks will watch this service and and something will resonate in their in their spirits lord and from that we can we can get some clearer direction and understanding where to go how to do it what 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 that means what that looks like Lord, I, I know there's always room to grow and improve. We've never arrived. We've never made it. But I, but I think we've made lots of progress in that, that pastor, that teacher, that equipping, that discipling role. I believe, God, this, 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 this role of evangelist is something you want to see released. Again, Lord, as I've said, that doesn't... that doesn't relieve us from a personal responsibility of being a witness, but... But Lord, let there be some Phillips arise in this congregation. And I don't mean Phillips in a gender sense of only males, God, but, but who Philip was, what Philip represented. I pray that there would, there would be some people in this congregation that would recognize. And Lord, I trust, I, I believe, Lord, there's some that have already felt it, maybe haven't fully understood what to do with it, how to how to act on it, that, that you would let tonight be a, 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 a giving of some direction, an, an awakening of some faith, Lord, and some vision. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
I trust you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray that, that this word tonight, if nothing else, it'd be a seed in some hearts tonight, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The, what I mentioned when I turned the microphone off, The goal of that is it's not to shut down churches and fill up here. If that's the only way we can measure success, we, we, we're not, we need our thinking changed.